welcome everybody to another episode of the Be Fearless podcast. And today I bring you somebody is very, very special and somebody that is on a mission to promote the love of Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome the one and only Pastor Eddie Vargas. Welcome. Hi, good morning. Good morning. <laughs> good morning. Um for the people that doesn't know you on the audience, who was Eddie Vargas growing up and what was his dream? Oh, wow. Um, Eddie Vargas was uh, a kid that was born in Brooklyn, New York from an immigrant family uh, from Bogota, Colombia. And we moved from New York because it was way too cold for my dad. And uh, we moved out to California and we started our life here in the Redondo Beach area of Los Angeles. And I was just really a, a knucklehead kid, you know, growing up mainly, believe it or not, in a really nice, affluent community. Uh, my father was an entrepreneur and businessman. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. Uh, but I was one of those latchkey kids that dad was always gone. Uh, mom was always into her stuff. And so I spent a lot of time you know, out on the streets and, you know, first it started with BMXing and then, and then I was a part of the eighties, the eighties crowd. So I was actually the first generation of break dancers, believe it or not here in Los Angeles. And so, uh, <laughs> we are a pretty, pretty popular break dancing crew here in Los Angeles, California. And, uh, and then things went South for me, um, because I wasn't allowed to do some of the things that I really wanted to do with the break dancing. We were getting involved in, in movies and producing and being a part of uh, these dance movies. And my dad didn't allow me to do it when I was 14 years old. And so believe it or not, um, I ran away from home and I was 14 years old and I, and I was supporting myself living on the streets, believe it or not. And uh, it's just like my dreams were crushed because at first when I was growing up, I, I, I wanted to go into the military. I wanted to be a Marine in high school. I actually was in junior ROTC uh, for three years. And so I was looking at going into the Marine Corps. But uh, when I left home at, at that age, you know, uh, drugs got a hold of my life and I became addicted to drugs, cocaine and marijuana and drinking and gang violence and all the dreams that I'd ever had uh, were, were just gone. They were gone. My, my life was now about uh, believe it or not, when at that age, I was uh, dealing guns, I was dealing cocaine, I was an addict, and I was just living from house to house, Some sometimes, you know, from trailer to trailer, uh, from girl to girl. I mean, that, that was kind of my lifestyle uh, until I was about uh, nine, 18 and a half years old. And I met this beautiful girl. Uh, just a, a gorgeous girl. And believe it or not, I'd never had this experience, but I fell madly in love with this girl. And I asked her to come out with me to be my girlfriend and let's start dating. And she said, no. And I was like, what do you mean? No. I, I mean, I could tell that you're into me. I'm into you. Let's, let's connect. And she said, no, she said, you're not, you're not a Christian. You're not, you're not born again. I can't, I can't date you. And I was like, well, I'm a Catholic. I believe in God. You know, let me, uh, I grew up believing in God. My, my grandfather was a matador from Colombia and uh, he, he instilled the fear of God in me. But uh, 
I didn't have a relationship with God, but I believed in God. I believed in, you know, heaven and hell. I love that. I love, I love that you underlying that difference between believing in God and having a relationship with him. And, and how, yeah. how, how then from that point, how do you move forward? What happened? So uh, I, I asked her out and she said no. And then when she, I said, well, well, what do I have to do uh, to be saved? What do I have to do to be born again? This is all brand new to me. I don't know any of this. I've gone to Catholic church done all the signs, you know, put my hands in the water and, you know, got on my knees. I didn't understand anything that they said, uh, but I went to church because my grandfather would, would really get on me if I did it. But she invited me to this little Christian church in Los Angeles, California, in the city of Hawthorne. And I heard the beautiful message of God's love, of God's grace, of God's extravagant mercy and the pastor asked, would any of you like to receive Jesus in your heart? He could change your life and make you a brand new person. And I was like, are you serious? He could change my heart and he could forgive me of all my past. I mean, I'm, I'm an addict. I'm dealing drugs. I'm surrounded by a lot of the gang life and cartel. And I raised my hand and I said, yeah, okay. If you're real, yeah, all right, let's do this. I believe in you. And I went and they prayed over me. And I asked Jesus to forgive me of all my sin, to come into my heart. Well, see, it still, it still wrecks me inside. And, uh, and in that moment, I felt forgiven. I felt brand new. And in that very moment, I experienced a miracle where I was, I, I, I was freed from addiction, from alcoholism, for everything in that moment, for me saying yes to God's love. I was freed from all my brokenness and I started to pursue him by learning his word and praying and worshiping. And I started going to the church. Well, six months later, uh, I proposed to that girl that took me to church. Six months after that, we got married and we've been married for 33 years this year. Oh and it's my just God. a miracle. A miracle. That is yeah. Amazing. 32 years. Yeah. I love, I love that kind of story, honestly. Um, because I think our, the, the newest generation, they need to hear that. They need to hear that it is possible. It is possible. Yeah. I love that. 32, well, congratulations on your 32 Thank years you. of marriage. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for being such a fabulous example to to everybody right um gen x millennials gen z and then newer uh new generations of the generations to come they need to hear that message um let me ask a question because you say is this is this uh church that you got invited is the same one that you actually currently leading or is it different well it's an incredible story because 20 years ago my wife and i uh, we were youth pastors and worship leaders in our church that um, I grew up in. And uh, I have a passion for young people. I have a passion for youth and young adults. And, and so I was, I was the pastor of a, of a, young, of a young adult ministry, a youth ministry. And, and God put it on my heart um, to reach the community that I grew up in and share this message of God's love, of God's grace, and of God's truth. 
And so my pastors believed in me and basically planted me in the city of Redondo Beach. And my wife and I, with my two children, my son was seven, my daughter was nine. We started a church in our home and like a home Bible study. And it, it just blew up. There's just all kinds of broken people started coming to our home and experiencing that same encounter with Jesus that I had. And it just outgrew our home. And then we moved it into a hotel. And from that hotel, we, 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 we took over two conference rooms in that hotel. And, and we just kept on sharing this message of love and hope and transformation and grace and, and mercy that nobody's too far gone, that God can't restore. And uh, that packed out. And then we went to another little building and went into that little church building. And then we packed that out. And then there was a church in the city of uh, Lawndale in Los Angeles that was about 89 years old that was basically dying. It was, a, it was a church that was very elderly. It was kind of crumbling. And um, there was no real new life in that church. And, and the pastor of that church said that he prayed and he asked the Lord, who can come here and take over this church and love this church and love this community? And God told them, Eddie Vargas. And so we weren't friends. We, we were just but somewhat acquaintances. And he asked me, hey, would you consider coming over here and taking over this church? I said, well, you know that I pastor a thriving church in Redondo Beach. I'd, um, the, it, it, we're completely different kinds of churches. This was more elderly, Caucasian. Mine was very multicultural, multigenerational, young, a very thriving church. And I, I prayed and I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, do you want me to do this? And God said, yes. And so I said, okay, this is going to be a merger of two different cultures, generations, doctrinal understandings. Uh, but he wanted this place to be restored. And so I said, yes. And I took over the church in 2009. And we, we came together in about four and a half years. It was, it was really hard to blend all these different, you know, systems, structures, ideas, theology, culture, um, but because we loved God, which was our primary, our primary focus is love God, love people. That's our calling, to love God and love people. And so I did that. I love God and I love people and I won over a lot of people. And now we've been here for 14 years and the church has grown, I don't know, from about, I think it was back then when I took it over about uh, 200 and maybe like 220 people. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's close to 2,000 people today. Oh, wow. And we've planted churches in other states. We've opened different campuses. And, you know, we, we have three services. We're about to add two more services starting in January because mm-hmm. our sanctuary fits 450 people, but we don't have enough room for everybody. So we just, there just more people keep coming to the church to, to be healed and restored by the love of Jesus. And, and uh, so we're adding more services. So next year I'll be preaching four or five services every Sunday. Oh, wow. That's, that's a lot. That's a lot, but um, that's amazing. And not not everybody, like you you see the usual two or three services per per Sunday. Uh, That that's basically a marathon Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll have four English services and one Spanish service. Okay. That's awesome. So this church that you are serving currently leading is the one that is being in the community for 104 years? Yes. Yes. Tell us a little bit about that. Like 
So, th- so this church used to be called Lawndale Christian Church. Um, beautiful people, really, just an incredible group of people. Back in 1920, um, before the city was a city, they 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 brought together a charter uh, and created the Lawndale Christian Church or Church of Christ here in the city of Lawndale. They started with a woman who had a vision to reach the people in the community, and uh, they came together. They brought in someone to. Uh, to lead the way, and this church was birthed out of out of that 1920. It's this is this is an interesting um, historical truth. Uh, do you remember the movie The Wizard of Oz? Yes. Okay, so two of the Munchkins from The Wizard of Oz, the original movie. This was their church. Uh, we have them in the yearbooks. We have oh them pictures here, <laughs> and yeah, so. Uh, Buster Brown Shoes, General Rosecrans. I mean, th- this church has been around for a very, very long time, a oh, staple wow. in the community. And it's got a lot of favor, even with the city. So we work really close with the city in serving our community because we believe a church is supposed to serve the community by loving the community. And so, yeah, we're, we're the oldest church here in, the, in, the, in, in Lawndale, the biggest church here in the South Bay. And God's just doing incredible things here. Oh, wow. I am super excited for all the work that you guys are doing um, and, you know, the efforts that you you are promoting to restore, right, the lives of many people, especially young people in this era, in this time that we are currently living. Um, and to go into restoration of oneself, we, we, I want to touch on something that you said at the beginning, that it was the believing, you believed in God, but didn't have a relationship with him. Can you tell the audience the, the, the difference between believing versus relationship with God and how that looks like when you get to get okay. into that relationship? So the way that I explain it to a lot of people that have never been in Christian church or maybe have, like me, they believe in God. They believe that they didn't come from a fish or a monkey. They believe that God actually created them in their image. They believe, like I believe that as long as I did more good than bad, that I would go to heaven. Um, And the life that I was living, I was actually doing a lot more bad than good. So it really didn't matter. I just felt like that that's just my future. Um, and even though I had a conscience and a conviction, I never had a relationship with God. I had religion with God and religion with God. It's, it's my way to God. Like, this is how I prefer to go to God. That's religion. Religion is works, good deeds, or trying to do good deeds or trying to be a good person or following rules. That's religion. God did not send his son to die on a cross and resurrect on the third day to give you rules and regulations. He died and rose again on the third day to have a beautiful relationship with you like a father would have with a son or with a daughter. And so this isn't based on rules and regulations. This is based on relationship with the father like a father has with his children. And because I want to please my father and I want to honor the sacrifices that my father made for me, I know that I'll never be good enough for heaven. What only makes me good is with my heart and in my life and transformed me. There's a beautiful scripture in the Bible that says that it's not by works of righteousness, but it's by his blood alone. And what that means is that God will always love you, no matter how good you are or how bad you are. He always loves you the same. 
You can't be good enough for God's love to increase and you can't be bad enough for God's love to decrease. He always loves you the same. And so because he loves us like a father loves us and I love him like a, like a father to me, then I want to live my life serving him, honoring him and, 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 and fulfilling the purpose that he's placed in my life mm-hmm. to reach other broken people with this message of love and restoration that is only found in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so that is the message of truth and grace that we couldn't fix ourselves on our own and we'll never be good enough for heaven. That's why Jesus said, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross because while we were still sinners, while we were still pushing him away from our life, because we wanted to do our thing, our way, the way that we wanted to, you know, uh, live our lives. Mm -hmm. He said, even though you're living your life that way, I'm going to give my life so that you can have an opportunity to be restored and redeemed back into a relationship with your creator. And it's Mm -hmm. the most beautiful love story in all of history. It is. And, and, and that's what I get to experience. And that's what I get to share with the whosoever's because that's what the Bible says. Whosoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That doesn't matter what color you are, what ethnicity you have, how much money you have in your account. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but because of the love of Jesus, we can be restored back to the Father. And then he transforms our life. And we don't even have to work for it. It's just a miracle that takes place. Being born again Mm -hmm. is a miracle. And I'm a testimony of that. I'm a testimony (laughs) of that. (laughs) Yes. What restoration looks like? Restoration is a very messy process. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you said that. And because honestly, it is messy. Um, yeah. Uh, God definitely has. We ask sometimes, uh, help me and fix my circumstances or restore me, right? And sometimes when you restore, let's say, a radio or a computer, you have to pull it apart. Yeah. Actually, to actually fix the problem and then put everything back together and make you whole and make it whole, right? So, I, right. I, in, from my opinion, that's what restoration looks like, uh, right? God, like you said, it's messy. So, how that messy gets you into this beautiful relationship? Well, I'll, I'll tell you what, be, because of walking with him for almost thirty-three years now. And I, I came from the business background of being a businessman, entrepreneur. You know, I owned my own business. I, you know, after I, I gave my life to Jesus, I, I owned a transmission facility. I worked on cars, you know, so, um, you know, that, that was what I did for a living until I went into full-time ministry. But the restoration process is a very messy process. I look at it like a, restoring a classic car. You have to strip it down to nothing. Like you have to take it completely apart strip it down to nothing, find out where all the damage is and start making it, you know, restoring it back to uh, new. Now, here's the key. The world's definition of restoration is to restore you back to where you were, right? Back to your original condition. So think of it this way. Uh, If I'm born, I'm raised, I'm on a trajectory to have a relationship with God, but I steer away from that. And I started getting into relationships that broke me, uh, addiction that broke me, business uh, deals that broke me, um, life experiences that broke me. 
now I'm a broken individual that has pushed my myself away from God. Now, now I'm in need of restoration. But here's the thing that God does. God doesn't restore us back to the original condition because that just kind of starts us off where we left off. God restores us to a place that we're better than we were before. And so, and the reason what makes us better is his love and his grace and then his presence that lives in us. So now we're not the same, but we're better. So restoration in God's eyes is making you better than you were before originally, before you were broken. Does that make sense to you? Oh, definitely. Yes. Yes. Totally. And it's a very messy process. We, it is. we, my wife, my wife and I have walked a lot of marriages that were at the brink of divorce back to a place of restoration and healing because Jesus was at the center of the relationship. And we teach people that if God's at the center of your relationship, um, the closer you get to God, the closer you get to each other. Exactly. And God brings the restoration in your marriage. And so we've helped uh, drug addicts be restored. We've helped marriages be restored. We've we've helped business owners that have made bad decisions be restored. We've it's it's a big it's it's a process, and so you have to be willing to walk people through the messiness of restoration. Because sometimes it, it isn't like what happened to me, this miracle at the altar. Sometimes it takes months and even years for people to actually fully surrender to the process of restoration. And then it speeds up because people usually want to be restored on their terms. And the problem is, is that when you try to get restored on your terms, your terms is what got you where you were broken. Exactly. It's God's terms that'll get you back to a place where you're not only living free from the brokenness, healed from the brokenness, but now you're living in divine purpose for your life. And that's where the fulfillment comes from. Exactly. I love that. I love that you kind of like break it down and, and explain it that way because I agree with every everything that you said. It's definitely a process that it will pull you apart. And then, like you said, you cannot you cannot go back to your old self. Like restore, yes, you fix something, but it definitely you making something new. Because yeah, think about it this way: there are new pieces. Put it in. There's right. new paint put it, putting over, right? The, right. the vehicle or, um, or the house. Um, there, there is something, yes, you pull apart, but you have to take out the damage to put something new in it. So you will never yes. be the same. Um, yes. how, how, then, how then can people stay on that stage of restoration and continue succeeding? Uh, in from that point forward, you you already said having having God in the center of everything. I believe is everything. It's not just in one part. It's in everything that you do in your life, in, in your business, in in your relationships, in everything that you do. When you have Him, He as the main pillar, the, the foundation of everything. Success success comes into into everything and in progress and in development and this amazing thing happened, right? But how do you keep it? So I'll, I'll give you I'll give you two quick 
scriptures. One in Jeremiah chapter 29, 11 says, behold, I've got plans for your life. Okay, so understanding that God's got a plan for my life. His plan is better than my plan. Understand that first, right? His, his ways are, are better than my ways. His thoughts are greater than my thoughts. So if God, God says, behold, I have a plan for your life, plans of hope and a future, not to harm you, but to bless you. Okay. If that's true, then I lean on what God's promised me in his, in his word. Proverbs, in the book of Proverbs says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but acknowledge him in all your ways, all your ways, and he will make your path straight. Now, if I surrender fully to the promises of God, wherever, wherever I need, uh, wherever, whatever circle I run in, whether it be in the music industry, whether it be in the film industry, whether it be in economics or Wall Street, or whether it be in the mom and pop shop or the, the blue collar worker or the immigrant that comes in, it doesn't matter where you are. God's got a plan for your life and his plan is better than yours. And it will always be better than yours, but you can't lean on your own understanding. Your own understanding got you messed up. Now you have to trust him in all your ways and he'll make your path straight. And as you surrender to God's promise and truth over your life, you start acknowledging him and trusting him every single day of your life in everything that you do. And the Bible makes it very clear. This is the promise that he makes us. He'll make your path straight. He'll continue to reveal the way. He'll enlighten the way. He'll give you a vision. He'll give you creativity. He'll surround you with people that will speak on his behalf to bless you, uh, to impart or deposit truth into you, encouragement on you, and pray for you. And, and, and the church, the church community, the, the spirit-filled, um, Jesus-loving, God-fearing church community is a community of support and love and grace. And we come alongside other people, right? Because God said this, bad company corrupts good character. So if bad company corrupts good character, get around good company and they'll enhance good character. And you'll start to glean things from people that are better entrepreneurs than you are, that are better, uh, that have a greater uh, expression of their marriage than you do. And you start to learn and glean and grow together in this community. And you can't help but win. I have the saying, favor isn't fair. Favor isn't fair. And so there's a lot of favor on our lives, not because we're good and not because we do this or that, but because we trust God in everything and he blesses us. And that doesn't mean that we won't go through difficulties. That, that doesn't mean that we won't have hardships or heartaches, but having his love and his presence on us steers us through those valleys of darkness so that we can get onto the mountaintops of victory in every area of our life. Amen. Amen. I, I love that. Thank you for sharing um, so much wisdom with us today. What three things can the audience start today in order to start promoting the love of Jesus? I, I would say start uh, by moving away from religion. Uh, start moving away from trying to do everything on your own strength, on your own ability. 
and surrender to Jesus first. That's the first step. Surrender your heart, your mind, your life to Jesus, his love, and his purpose for your life. Once that takes place, then you could start walking in community with the Father, right? And then, then, then comes the difficult part for most people because most of us um, want, want things done our way. Most of us uh, have this preference, and I, and I have this thought. I always desire his presence over my preference, and if I desire his presence over my preference, I want to go where God is leading me, not where my flesh is leading me. Moses said, show me your glory. I want to be where you are. Before God allowed the children of Israel to enter into the promised land, he said, he said look, God, if your presence doesn't go with us, I don't want the promise. I'd rather stay in the desert with you than in the promise without you. So this helps me understand that what, whatever I am going to live out, God has to be with me in all of this. And if he's not with me in all of this, then I don't want to do anything that God is not a part of. And by living that way, I can't help succeed, but succeed. So one, I need Jesus. Two, I need to walk in obedience. And three, I need to surround myself with the right people and get away from the wrong people. Now that is another difficult thing because yes. when I gave my life to Jesus, I had to cut everybody loose that I was attached to for a season because I needed to heal, I needed to be restored, I needed to mature, I needed to grow. Once I grew enough where I was strong, then I went back for all my friends. Then I went back for all my family. I got to baptize my mom. I got to lead my grandfather and my, grandfa my, my grandmom to Jesus. So, so I'm the first generation of my family that's broken generational curses of alcohol and addiction and all these other horrific things. My life with God broke generational curses for now my children and my children's children. So today I'm a grandfather that gets to play with his grandsons and complete freedom from all of that garbage that I was broken in. My hope is that they never have to experience that either. So number one, Jesus. Number two, uh, obedience. And that takes full surrender. And number three, get around the right people and get away from the wrong people. I love that. Thank you so much for those tips. Now, where can people can get in touch with you? Uh, well, they can check out our website at restoration dash life.com or they can come to my personal website that we're building at pastor eddie vargas.com okay pastor eddie vargas.com do you have um like an, an instagram account where people can reach out to you as well? yes yes so my instagram account uh instagram account is pastor eddie v there you go and they could DM me or reach out to me there. I love reaching out to anybody that, that needs help. Awesome. Well, before we close, I'm going to ask you to do something that I have not asked anybody else before. Okay. Sure. All right. So are you ready for the challenge? I know it's not a challenge, but I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, can you do this the honor to close this episode with a prayer? 
I would be honored to. Thank awesome. you for that. Let, let, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for Dagmar and the incredible podcast that she is leading. And I thank you, Father, for all the listeners right now that are listening and they're leaned into what I've had to say today. Lord, I know that you came to set the captives free. And there are so many of us that are captive in our sin, that we're captive in our brokenness, we're we're captive by the scars of life and the things that we've experienced. But God, you came to heal us, to restore us, and to redeem us back to yourself. So I pray right now in Jesus' name that your mercy and your grace would touch every listener and every viewer of this podcast. God, that you would lead them into your loving grace and that you would rescue them from their pain. There is no greater life than to live with you. And so, Lord, I pray that you bless this podcast. I pray that you bless the listeners and that they're encouraged to search for you because you have said it in your word. If you draw close to me, I will draw close to you. And I thank you for this opportunity today, Father. We give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Ladies and gentlemen, Pastor Eddie Vargas, feel free to go to uh, PastorEddieVargas.com, the website, or reach out to him through Instagram at Pastor Eddie V. Okay. And uh, like he said, you can like DM him and get in touch with him and keep promoting the love of Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, I absolutely. Love that. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you, you guys, for being here today, for listening to us. If you're watching or we're watching this on Facebook, don't forget to leave us your stars so we can keep bringing the content that you love. Also, don't forget to give us a follow on every other platform, YouTube and X, and also on the podcast platform like Spotify, Amazon, Pandora, you know, everywhere. So feel free to leave us a, a review there. Also follow. And thank you so much for your support. In the meantime, and on to the next one, like I always say, don't forget to unlock your potential and be fearless. Mm -hmm.